Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. Welcome back, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener, to episode number five, count them, one, two, three, four, five, of our Drawn and Paneled podcast. With me, as always, is Jason. Hey, everybody. And today, we are here to talk about comic books. That's the whole reason why we're doing this podcast. Before we get into all of that, though, I want to talk a little bit about our review contest that we have oh. going on right now. Yes, we do have tell. We a special contest that's being sponsored by Scout Comics. They are donating five count them one two three four five number one issues and all you have to do to enter the contest is submit an itunes review that sounds pretty that's easy all you have to yeah do. that's easy yeah Simple. you don't even have to give us a good review i don't care you can give us one star for all i care you're still <laughs> going to be entered in the contest we hope you give us five stars we hope that you really enjoy the podcast right but if they give us one star review and then they win some comics they may give us a five star review after that they might Who go knows? back and revise the review right exactly yeah. <laughs> So what we need you to do is we need you to create, if you don't already have an iTunes account, log into iTunes, search for Drawn and Paneled. Once you see Drawn and Paneled, you'll actually see two feeds because we're supplied on two different networks. We're on the Gen X Grown Up Drawn and Paneled network, and we are also on the Geeks Worldwide network. Click into the one that's just the Drawn and Paneled logo And from there, go ahead and give us a review. Give us however many stars you feel like, one through five. Write a nice little note. Tell us something you think we should improve or something you like about the show. And then hit that submit button. From that point forward, you are now entered in the contest. We're going to be drawing soon a winner and sending out those five number one scout issues. Yes, guys and gals, definitely register on iTunes. Leave us a review. Uh, This is a great prize. I think we say it a lot, but Scout Comics puts out some good material. So this is some good prizes you're entering in to win. Yeah, there's a good chance that a lot of these number one issues are going to become big value collector items because Scout Comics is on an optioning binge right now. They have optioned like four or five different properties to Hollywood, movies, TV shows, video games, the whole work. So you never know. You could get for free something that becomes worth billions of dollars later on in the future. Yeah, maybe. So that's worth, I think, a few minutes to leave a review. With that, let's jump into the show. Peter! Peter! Oh, hi, MJ. I thought I'd catch you before class. Did you see this story about Merlin the Magician? Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo, hey everybody, and George, hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life is a 
life sucks as a grown-up. All right, fans, it's time for my favorite section, the news. Woohoo! News, news, news. We've got a couple pieces of news today. Uh, first, I'm going to start with the DC streaming universe. Okay, uh, DC streaming. All right. Right. So they have uh, the Titan show is what's out right now. Mm, yes. Have you been love watching Titans. that one, George? Oh, yeah. I, every single week. Don't miss an episode. I love the Titan show. They just recently introduced some different characters that I wasn't sure were going to be part of the show. It's been a lot of fun. Okay. Well, DC's got a few more shows in the works. I know Doom Patrol's next, uh, but okay. then they've got Stargirl. And they've done some casting for the JSA, Justice Society of America, that will appear oh. in Stargirl. We've got Wildcat, who will be played by Brian Stapp, who I hadn't heard of him. He's been in Walking Dead. He's also been on The Purge. I'm not sure oh. if that's the movies or uh, there's a television show. I there believe, is a television show. Yeah, watch yeah, that one as sure. well. Yeah, but he's been on Walking Dead, but he's going to play Wildcat, who's uh, – Xboxer dressed in a cat suit. He's kind of a cool character. <laughs> okay. Um, I've always liked him. The other one is Starman. There's many Starman uh, that's been around the DC universe. This, I was going to uh, say, this is not the Jeff Bridges Starman from the No, 80s. it's not, not the not Jeff that, Bridges okay. Starman, which I, I would be okay <laughs> with Jeff Bridges, but no. Um, this is going to be played by Joel McHale from Community and The Soup. Oh, Okay. All That's right. interesting. Yeah. Finally, uh, our man uh, is going to be played by Lou Ferrigno Jr. His Lou son. Lou Ferrigno Jr.? Yes. Wow. I didn't know he okay. had a son, but uh, he's apparently been on the new TV show SWAT, but he will play yeah. our man who is strong, he takes a pill, and has super strength for an hour. Like father, like son, we have two generations playing superhero characters. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then the other bit of DC streaming news is Swamp Thing. They've cast a character called Blue Devil. Blue he was Devil? popular in the 80s. Yeah, Blue Devil. Yeah, I love Blue Devil. I have all the comics for Blue Devil. You're talking about the guy who he wore the Blue Devil costume. He got fused to his body. Right. And he had acrobatic powers. He had the trident that he carried as his weapon. Yeah, I love yes. Blue Devil. Well, those issues may go up in value. Ian Zuring from Sharknado and Beverly Hills 90210 will play Blue Devil in the Swamp Thing no. series. Yes. He's going to be Blue Devil? Ian Zuring? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that's an interesting piece of casting news for sure. Going on to the other uh, of the big two, the new Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie was released this weekend. I haven't seen yes. it yet. Um, mm -hmm. I plan to. Looking forward well. to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be really good. Well, they've already announced that there will be a sequel film and a spinoff film. Really? Uh, yes. Wow. That was, I can understand announcing a sequel because that one has a lot of hype coming behind it. There's probably going to be a big box office with this weekend from this one, but a spinoff as well. That's kind of unusual to have both announcements so close to the opening date. Right. They've been kind of rumoring a spinoff for a little bit, but the sequel will focus on Miles Morales. Uh, I believe he's the star of this movie and Spider-Gwen. And then the spinoff will be Spider-Gwen Silk, who's a rather new 
a Spider-Man character and Spider-Woman will be the stars of the oh. spinoff. So it'll be a female-centric Spider-Verse movie. Um, okay. Both sound awesome. I'm really looking forward to the movie that's out now. And um, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, as you know. So this is oh, exciting yeah. for you're, me. You're like um, Mr. Spider-Man for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love all the Spider-Verse characters. Spider-Gwen, Spider-Ham, Spider-Man Ward, Peter Parker. They're all great. So uh, this is good news. Well, we'll have to make sure that you give us a review of what you thought of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse when we do our next current events issue or podcast rather in two weeks. That'll be a lot of fun to hear your thoughts. I absolutely will. So we'll we'll allow two hours of time for me to talk about it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the movie's only an hour and a half. We'll need two hours to talk about it. Right. Well, I know you found out those pieces of news. Those are great finds, especially the Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse stuff. But I also did a little bit of news research this week. I know that's unusual. Usually you do all the work and I get to sit back and just have fun. But right. You remember on our previous current events episode, I talked about wanting to go pick up the Shadow Year One number one, which just came out that week. Well, I went looking in the comic book shops, couldn't find it in either of my local comic book shops. I've reached out to people. I went recently to Orlando. My son had a football game in Orlando, so I even went to Coliseum of Comics. They didn't have it. I'm like, really? I would have thought for sure they would have had it. Well. I found out why nobody had this on their shelves. This is not a $2.99 or $3.99 book that you just throw up on the shelf and go grab. This book is released at $50. Wow. 50 bucks for the shadow. 50 bucks. This is not an omnibus. This is not an annual. This is not a trade paperback special edition. This is issue number one, 32 pages, $50. Wow. So yeah, you from picked up Dynamite. a couple copies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I still can't. I can't find anybody. I have to order it online if I want to get it. It's wow. $50. That's not the only interesting fact, though, around the price. That's just the regular issue. There is a variant issue mm-hmm. for this book. I don't know if you call it a variant cover, but they have two different versions of it. So I'm going to call it a variant cover. The original, $50. Mm-hmm. The second one, $193. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) a little stunned silence there, right? Yeah, that for a modern comic. Wow. For anything, $193 to drop on a book of any kind. That's, you know, this is not a graded CGC, you know, Silver Age book that you found somewhere like, oh, look, it's blah, blah, blah. No, this is just off the shelf, new printing, new release, $193. And by the way, that's the sale price. Their suggested retail value on dynamite.com, $300 for this book. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, this is not the first time they've done this, by the way. The Shadow Year One, they had something back in 2013, 2015 that was selling for $50. Those books now are still selling for around $170 to a $200 range if you bought one of those $50 books back then. So I'm guessing that maybe these will hold some inherent value because of this high price tag to start with. But still, as much as I want to buy something for a friend of mine, the Shadow Year One, a 32-page comic book for $50 to $200, I don't know. I love comics, but that seems a little bit outside the realm of possibility to me. What do you think, Jason? Is that something you would pick up if you were that interested in the Shadow? Uh, No, not, not for the Shadow. I wonder if there's something else 
special to it, maybe some original art in there or something. That just seems very steep and um, crazy to me. But, you know, uh, if it works for Dynamite and there's people that pick it up, then more power to them. Yeah, I think there is actually some original artwork that's in these. I, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that it's like, oh, if you get this issue, you might have a chance of getting this one chaser piece of art. I don't know how it's set up or anything. I just know that during the description on the website, it talked about there being original art in this book. And that's apparently what drives up a little bit of the price on this. But still, 50 to $200 for an issue number one. I mean, yeah. You got to be a super fan to be able to drop that kind of money on one comic book. That's way more than my total wife weekly budget is for my comic book. So, oh, yeah, that would blow your allowance out of the water. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And as Wonder Woman flies back to America in her invisible plane, far above in the realm of the gods, Aphrodite, goddess of love, listens to a boastful god of war, the mighty Mars. Sorry to interrupt, Gen Xers, but this show will be done before you know it. And then what are you going to do? You're going to need something to fill your ear holes with. And we're here to be that uh, ear hole filling thing. We're Blockbuster Nostalgia. We're a movie podcast that's counting down the biggest hit films of the 1980s based on how much money they made. Because that'll show those dirty 80s commies. Each week we have a few drinks. Or a lot. And talk about a different classic film. Which inevitably leads us to rant about things like... Where Luke Skywalker kept his sex robots. What if Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon was in fact a Velociraptor? Who would win in a fight between Rocky Balboa or a Gundam? How the Winter Olympics should definitely feature rabid wolves on skis. We even cast Vin Diesel one time as a talking car in a Smoking a Bandit style rom-com. And we pitch Paul Blart Part 3, the one where he's a Thundercat. We've been at it for two years now, so we have plenty of vulgar, definitely not for kids fun for you to enjoy. From Die Hard and Dirty Dancing to Ferris Bueller and Star Wars, we've got your favorite 80s movies covered. Check us out on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Drawn and Paneled Roundtable segment. Yeah, Everybody ready to talk about comic books? Yay! <laughs> Today, our special guest from Pet Piranha Entertainment is Jay Magnum. Jay, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, George. Uh, it's great to be here with you and Jason, and thanks a lot for having me on the podcast. Yeah, glad well, you're here. Absolutely. Now, we brought you onto the podcast because you reached out to us via email. You had listened to one of the podcasts, and you had talked about enjoying the reviews we did of some of the other books. And you mentioned during that email that you actually have a book. You have your company, Pet Piranha Entertainment, and you produced a book called Astral Genesis. You sent us a little 30-page treatment of the book and asked us to read it. We really enjoyed that treatment. So we wanted to talk to you about that book today. Tell us all about that book, how you came up with the storyline, your characters, everything. We want to hear all about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sure thing. I'd be happy to, and I'm glad you guys enjoyed the preview. So Astral Genesis is a sci-fi action adventure graphic novel, uh, 120 pages of story. And I did put a little bonus content at the back of the book for you as well. So what it's about is... I had often wondered for a long time what would happen if the most dysfunctional people in the world were the only ones who could stop an alien attack. And uh, (laughs) that's pretty much what it's about. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) The nice thing is uh, we looked at some of the art. The art is astounding for an indie book. I mean, you know, it's kind of hit or miss with the indie books right now. Sometimes the art is really, really good. Sometimes, okay, maybe they could use a little bit more refinement, but 
the art in Astral Genesis, I was really blown away. Yeah. It's top of the line. Like I would expect to see that artwork out of one of the big two. It's really good. Is that your art? Did you do the art or do you have an artist on the book? How did that come about? Well, yeah, thanks for asking. So uh, our artist for the, the Astral series is Ariel Medell. And you might already be familiar with Ariel Medell's work. He worked on a lot of Dynamite titles like John Carter, Warlord of Mars, Xena okay. Warrior Princess, and most recently Hitman Agent 47. So he's really the linchpin oh. of our uh, artistic design. Yeah, very polished artwork. It's very nice. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the synopsis of the story, some of the characters, what their motivations are, how you came up with all that. Because I'm assuming since you already have an artist, you did all the writing on the book. Actually, Astral Genesis began as uh, a screenplay I had written, believe it or not. And uh, as we all know, uh, screenplays are uh, tough to get produced. Uh, you typically need millions of dollars, especially right. in this case. Uh, uh, making a movie of, with this type of material would probably cost at least $100 million. So, uh, yeah, not going to happen. So let's go to uh, a graphic novel format. So I got together a team and I worked with uh, writer Ivan Cohen uh, to uh, format the story into more of a uh, comic book or graphic novel uh, format. And we went ahead from there. And actually, the story is about uh, a down and out ex-astronaut named Jonathan Devane. And uh, Devane has had an accident uh, in a uh, mission on the space shuttle in the past. And so uh, here, you know, the story picks up 10 years later, and he's sort of down and out. And his buddy comes contacts him uh, for one last mission, sort of a, a secret transportation mission. And on this mission, of course, uh, like happens in these types of stories, everything just goes crazy. The the, <laughs> the, the convoy is attacked and uh, uh, out of the uh, the secret materials that they're transporting on this, on this mission, on this convoy, uh, he meets a mysterious woman named Lila and it just kind of goes from there. Nice. I mean, there's something awfully fun, especially for my Gen X grown-up youth, the old 80s sci-fi horror film movement. You know, you're talking about Alien and Aliens and all those types of films. I'm just going down the Alien track at this point, but, right. you, you know, always that being in that claustrophobic space, you're on a spaceship, you know you can't get away, and you're in the middle of some kind of horrible situation. That always lends itself to great storytelling in my book. Great suspense. I love that kind of stuff. Jason, is that a kind of a thing that you always grew up enjoying? Or Yes, yes. I really did like this book. It reminded me of a lot of films, sci-fi films, like um, got a little bit of an Independence Day vibe from it, um, even sort of a Predator vibe with kind of the – you know, ex-soldier or astronaut in this case, getting approached by an old friend to take up another mission and then, you know, crazy stuff happens. I wanted to ask you, Jay, about the character designs, though. Um, sure. The the main character, uh, Devane, he reminded me of a uh, another Marvel character, uh, Nick Fury, uh, with his eye patch and cigar. Who's responsible for the character designs or was it the artist or you? Because I got a, a Nick Fury vibe from uh, this character. Well, yeah, sure. I can certainly see where that's coming from. Uh, so I collaborated with Ariel Medell to create the character mm -hmm. designs and uh, kind of gave them some specs. Uh, we wanted Devane to have that uh, that injury to kind of you know mirror uh, where he is uh, even with his own personality you know in this uh, in this time period which the story takes place. Right. Uh, but I can see where you're getting that. Uh, we wanted to take uh, pains to differentiate Devane from uh, Nick Fury. So um, other than the eye patch being on the 
the other eye. You'll also right. see that Devane never dresses in military uh, uniform, and he's uh, even though he was previous military, uh, he's very anti-military in this. And something else uh, about uh, kind of really all the characters in the book was I wanted to put a, a Generation X um, stamp on them. So there's a lot of uh, Gen X sentimentality you know, throughout the book, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I wanted to infuse it with a lot of humor. So if you've read uh, through uh, several pages of the book, you probably see the the humor element coming out as well. But I, yeah, I think it's something that absolutely. Gen X would definitely enjoy, and it's made, made by Generation Xers for Generation Xers. That's kind of our point. I remember that. that line in the email that you sent to us, and I thought that's perfect. I love that your comic book has that same kind of vibe and feel by generation Xers for generation Xers. I, I guess I never thought about that when I was younger, but now that I'm older, I love that people are really involved in the nostalgia movement and bringing new properties to that same nostalgia feel. That's just awesome. I can't wait to buy the book. Is it available for sale now or is it through diamond? Can people find it at a local comic book store? What, what are we doing for sales on this book? Right. So uh, last year we uh, completed a successful Kickstarter. So there were a few people pledging for the book that got it early. The general release date for the book was September 29th of this year. So it's already out. You can get it through the Pet Piranha website. Uh, there's a, a mm-hmm. Shopify set up on that where you can grab the book. Uh, we have it in softcover, hardcover. It's available on Amazon as well, softcover, hardcover. And you can also get it in places like eBay as well. Oh, cool. Nice. Okay. And we'll make sure we put some links down in the show notes at the end. Jason always does a great job with that. All that will be in the show notes. And will there be a sequel to Astral Genesis, Jay? Um, I actually, it's funny you should ask. There's a couple of sequels on the way. Uh, I'm wrapping up uh, production on the sequel uh, number two. Uh, it's called Astro Evolution. So we're uh, wrapping up the artwork and doing the lettering on that. And we're sort of in a uh, post-production mode uh, just about on that one right now. And expecting that to be out toward the end of the first quarter next year. So probably around March, April timetable uh, in the spring of 2019. But at the same time, I just turned in my first draft of a script for uh, Astro Alive which is the third book in the series. And I would I should probably say for folks that are interested in it, we do have that same 30-page preview available on the Pet Piranha website. So uh, you can read Astral Genesis, uh, the first 30 pages, and experience it for yourself before you buy. So I'm, I'm a big believer in try before you buy. And we feel like the quality is there. And if you sample it, uh, you'll really like it. Awesome. Absolutely. Now, one thing I want to ask it seems as though a lot of the independents are moving more toward the trade paperback volume of books. Is there a reason why trade paperback or at least, you know, the larger volume as opposed to say the 32 page single issues was a way, was something that you decided to do with Astral Genesis? What made the decision for you to go one way or the other? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in my case, it started off as a screenplay, so it just made sense. But I'm a big fan of the the TPB trade paperback, get it all in one uh, volume. And that's just because, uh, you know, if you come out with single issue comic books, uh, there can be issues with uh, stocking uh, inventory. You know, you run out of issue three Mm. and then you run out of uh, issue number Mm -hmm. one. But I also like folks to get that complete story. So uh, Astral Genesis is about six comic books worth. So it's about half a dozen uh, in a single volume. And I find that, you know, if we broke the story up into six comic books, then you're sort of almost forced to put 
like what I would term as like an artificial cliffhanger, you know, at the end of book one, right. and then you have another cliffhanger point. to get yeah. people to keep buying right. your books. So in this case, we have the freedom not to do that. It flows as a single story. I think people get more value out of buying a single volume than individual comics because we'd have to charge four or five dollars each for six comic books, whereas you can pick it up for twenty bucks, you know, all together, and it saves customers money, saves the fans money, and at the same time, uh, I think the story just flows more naturally, and we can do a little bit more with it. Right. Yeah. Sure. Now, Jason, I know that we're talking about the differences between trade paperbacks and single issues. You have a single issue for the roundtable that you wanted to talk about this week, right? That's right. I do. Uh, the last current events episode of Drawn and Paneled that we did, I mentioned that I was going to pick up a new book from Image called Die. Uh, the first issue came out a few weeks ago, and it was described as a goth Jumanji. Oh, right. The Goth Jumanji book. Okay. Yeah. Now I remember. All right. So what it's about is it starts in 1991 with some friends meeting for two of them share a birthday. So they're going to play an epic role-playing game on their 16th birthday. Okay. And I don't want to go into too much detail because there's some spoilers and some big stuff that happens. But well, no, that's okay. This is roundtable, and it's two weeks already past. You're past the spoiler line. Spoil away, sir. We want to know about this book. So they create their characters and each get a special die. They roll the die, and then they disappear. And they come back two years later, so they have vanished for two years. So, like, the person, they roll the die as part of the game. Right. They disappear physically from the existence of everybody around them. Then they appear two years later. They appear two years later. One of them is missing, and one of them is missing an arm. They can't explain how it happened, where they were. And then we flash forward uh, many years later when they're all in their 40s. Some of them have had bad times, um, down on their luck, going through divorces, therapy, uh, money troubles, and still, you know, are kind of haunted that, you know, one of their friends didn't come back. Well, then they start getting notes and a die shows up that was their friend's die and it's covered in blood. Ooh. They all meet, roll the die, and they're back in this fantasy world as the characters they had created and encounter you know, their long lost friend. Uh, so that's the Jumanji yeah. element. So there's two flash forwards. There's 16 years old, flash forward two years. One guy comes back missing an arm. The other guy doesn't mm -hmm. come back at all. Then there's right. a second flash forward to when they're in their forties mm -hmm. and all of a sudden a notes and a die appear and they roll the die. Now they're in the Jumanji world. And so they're all discovering what happened to the missing friend. Is that what I'm hearing? That's pretty much it. There was apparently a game master that they were fighting against. Uh, the friend stayed behind and is now the game master of the universe. It's definitely a Dungeons and Dragons type world. Um, the, the heroes are, you know, their character. So the, the main character is a male, but he had created a female character, so in this fantasy world, he's a female. Um, so it's it's definitely a little different, um, but the art is fantastic. It looks like it's painted art, uh, very bright colors, and the characters look, you know, distraught, uh, worn um, when they're in their forties. You know, like they've aged some. It's not you know all pretty looking people. They look like sure you know, normal folks. So. It's right. definitely an interesting, uh, definitely an interesting read for cool. sure. 
Now, Jay, you're also a Generation Xer. We grew up in the time when Dungeons and Dragons came to the forefront of popular society. Does this sound like a book that you would be interested in reading? Because it definitely has ties to stuff that I loved growing up as a kid. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating. Uh, sounds really interesting to me. I wouldn't mind picking up a copy. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to go and grab it. Who'd you say this was produced by, Jason? Uh, this is by Image Comics. Image. Okay. You know, Image is doing a lot of good stuff lately. I I have to admit that a lot of my comic book dollars are being spent with Image right now. I mean, I've got some Aftershock stuff, some Image stuff that's on my weekly pull list, but Image is definitely bringing the game, so to speak. I mean, not to you know have a bad pun there. Jason is the king of bad puns, but <laughs> <laughs> with this die number one, it sounds like they're definitely bringing everything strong. I, I think I'll enjoy this series. I'm going to have to go grab one myself before all the issues are gone. This came out two weeks ago, you said? Yes, sir. Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, issue two probably will be out sometime in January, I imagine. But yeah, definitely check it out if you're a fan of role-playing and uh, Jumanji even, uh, it's worth checking out. George, what do you have for us this week? Well, you know, on the very first Drawn and Paneled podcast, we had our guest was the president of Scout Comics, mm -hmm. James Hake. And when I met James the first time, the book that he first created was called Solar Flare. Solar Flare is now into season three, if you can believe it or not. The way that Scout Comics works with a lot of their titles, they work in television season style format. So like... Jay is talking about with Astral Genesis, where they collect everything into one cohesive story arc in a trade paperback. Scout Comics does the same thing, only they release they do release them in separate issues. Then later on, they come back with a trade paperback. But everything is centered around the idea of having a single season, just like a television show. And I think they do that on purpose. That's what's helping their licensing movement that they've got right, going on right now, because right. everything's already formatted for television or movies right away from the beginning. Solar Flare Season 3 picks up with the story, the band of characters, if you guys remember, there's a group of characters who are moving from South Florida on up into the northern parts of the United States after a Solar Flare event hits the Earth with a giant EMP knocking out all electronic devices, planes, cars, cell phones, uh, power to your house, everything you can think of. Electronic is all fried, so we're back to you know pre-industrial times. We have no electronics whatsoever. They are moving from south to north in real world situations, in the real cities that make up Florida. And mm -hmm. James was very adamant about that because he grew up in South Florida and he actually uses real places, real buildings. They do the artwork from pictures and everything. It's really nice. The characters are trying to move north because one of the main characters is trying to be reunited with his daughter who during the EMP, she was staying with her grandparents and he's trying to get to her to find her. Solar Flare season three finds the group, they are moving along the path and they're kind of taking a little side route so that one of the characters in the group, he's a scientist and he's trying to find a guy who he worked with in his past who also knows a lot about the solar flare phenomenon because they're trying to move up north with this group to be dropped off at a compound that's supposedly protected from the solar flare that they had planned way in advance for this kind of an event. And they're trying to get there so that these two scientists can then rebuild civilization. Okay. 
Um, so with a uh, solar flare, is it like some of these other, like Walking Dead or, you know, some other post-apocalyptic where after society's kind of fallen, are there small camps or other little governments that pop up or roving bands of, you know, cannibals or anything like that? Well, <laughs> there are definitely dangers as in any post-apocalyptic story, the most dangerous element is usually the other humans, right? It's not the zombies that are going to get you, or it's not the bombs. It's always the other humans that you have to really look out for. And that's true in Solar Flare. There are these militant type groups. As a matter of fact, the main character's uncle, he belongs to the group and actually kills the main character's father early on in season one. Oh, wow. Yeah. um, Well, season one, season two era. So he works with this group. This group keeps cropping up. As a matter of fact, where I'm at in issue number three of season three right now, that group has popped back up again and they're right there trying to grab a hold of the main characters. I don't know what their obsession is. I mean, there's been some infighting between the two groups, some deaths and stuff. So obviously there's a revenge factor that's going on there, but yeah, that's a big part of this book uh, is trying to navigate the human dynamic between different groups that have congregated together. It's really funny. Uh, issue number three, they're actually at Ringling College, which is in Sarasota, I believe. Yes, Sarasota. Yep. And it's funny because the characters who are around Ringling College, they were just about to have a traditional event, a medieval fair there. So mm-hmm. they have come together to protect the college because there's a large distribution center there that has food and supplies and all the people protecting it are dressed in the Knight's armor from the medieval fair. So oh, okay. <laughs> it was a neat little play. Like they've taken on that role of being parts of the Knights of the realm. So to think, and they're trying to protect people and keep society going. And that's where the main scientist is trying to find his co-friend scientist is at this ringling place. He was actually supposed to go there in a lecture before the MP thing hit. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I like it when fiction takes, you know, real locations that I've seen or been to and puts them, you know, in their work. So that's, that's really cool to me. Jay, what do you think about this kind of a story? Well, yeah, I've been listening to you. I haven't uh, actually read any uh, issues of Solar Flare. It does sound interesting, but as you were talking, it's reminding me of a, of a prose book that I read, uh, I believe it was back in the 80s, Ooh. called The Last Babylon. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one or not. But that title sounds that's familiar. That's also about, uh, yeah, it's it's one that we, believe it or not, we, we read in high school as an assignment, but I really enjoyed that one. And it was about uh, a nuclear attack that happens and centers on uh, a village of people living in central Florida. And, and it has to do with real places and real landmarks and, and that kind of thing. So it sounded a lot like that. Uh, a little bit different in that this is a solar flare thing and that was a, a nuclear attack. But uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Alas Babylon. Sounds like I would really enjoy uh, this series as well. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the guys at Scout are put out some really professional products. It's very similar to the feeling that I had when I looked at Astral Genesis the first time. Very professionally done, high quality work. When you see Astral Genesis, when you see Solar Flare, when you see some of these other independent books that are out there right now, it's hard to imagine that the big two are, are as big as they are. And are going to stay that way because in all honesty, I think the independent publishers, guys like yourself and Scout and Caliber Comics and Aftershock, I think they're going to start taking over because the one thing that seems to be true, Hollywood is taking notice because Hollywood has kind of run out of ideas for stories and they are optioning the crap out of these unique 
interesting original story ideas from the comic book world for things like TV and film, I think this is going to become a new renaissance for comic books. I mean, we're all older now. We all have disposable income. Those of us who grew up loving comic books. So why wouldn't Hollywood take notice of the things that we're purchasing and falling in love with now and try to profit off of it by turning it into TV and film? I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, George. Uh, I think uh, Solar Flare would uh, definitely lend itself to uh, representation on the big screen. And as I mentioned uh, before a little bit, uh, Astral Genesis uh, sprung from a screenplay. So I definitely uh, completely agree with that. The holiday spirit is so strong you can almost feel it. Uh, Excuse me, sir. I'm Jimmy Olsen, WGBS-TV. Can I talk to you for a minute? Huckleberry Comics is a publisher working on creating the most innovative and unique graphic novels, one-shots, manga, tabletop games, and even eventually video games. Right now, we're working on getting ready to launch Dream State Radicals, a project which has taken 18 artists over two years to create. It's a gritty sci-fi thriller in the vein of Dusex, Blade Runner, Detroit, and so many more. It's an awesome graphic novel with tons of free concept art, and will be launching on Indiegogo early 2019. Follow us on Twitter, at HuckleberryDSR, like us on Facebook, or check out our website to learn more. All right, now's the time everybody's been waiting for, our weekly pull list. This is where we talk about the books coming out uh, this coming week that we're going to be picking up. And as always, we'll start with our guest. Uh, Jay, anything you're looking forward to or anything you know, you've been reading currently that you think our audience should know about? Sure. So uh, a lot of the stuff that I read is uh, uh, books that I get from Kickstarter campaigns. And so a couple of those that have uh, recently come out and I've, I've had a chance to take a look at are Sunmaker. And that's got art by uh, Ryan Kroboth. And uh, it's, it's a really good post-apocalyptic story. I'm having a lot of fun with that one. And uh, another one that I recently got uh, is called Section Zero. You may have seen that one on Kickstarter as well. Uh, that came as a TPB hardcover. And uh, okay. it's a really quality book. Uh, I'm really enjoying that one, too. It's uh, about uh, superheroes and uh, secret societies and, and Ooh, clandestine that, missions. So that one's a lot of fun as well. That sounds nice. Love that, that sounds kind of right stuff. up my alley. Yeah. Certainly. And then really the other one I've been looking at is uh, Skies of Fire. And that one's uh, sort of a steampunk airship type thing. And that's also hardcover. Ah. That's also Kickstarter. So that's definitely okay. one uh, that's worth checking out if you get a chance. But uh, I'm super excited about those. I've been getting through those recently. Uh, well, what have you guys been looking at recently? Well, I'm looking forward to this week. Um Klaus and the Crying Snowman, number one. Uh, this has okay. been, yeah. So this <laughs> this is something that's been going on for a few years now from Boom Studios. They started a couple of years ago with a six issue miniseries called Klaus or Klaus. Uh, that's about kind of a different take on Santa Claus. And they did their six issue miniseries. And then after that, every Christmas, they do a one shot. And this year, the one shot is The Crying Snowman. So it's by Grant Morrison, who's done a lot of comics work. And his stuff's a little off the wall, but it's kind of a sort of a badass Santa Claus. He has a sword and a big wolf and he okay. helps <laughs> helps people helps people out. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. 
And then I'm looking forward to is Ogre number three from Source Point Press. Um, this is a very small publisher, but they've had some hits lately that have sold out. Um, they're hard to find in comic shops. One of their ones that sold out immediately was called The Rejected, but Ogre is about an ogre, a corpse, and a ghost that go on a quest. Um, it's a three-issue okay. <laughs> three miniseries, and this is number three. And then the other one I'm going to pick up is The Warning, number two. Uh, this is a new book from Image Comics. Uh, we did a written review on our website and uh, Geeks Worldwide for issue one of The Warning. This is a science fiction war book with you know some enhanced soldiers, aliens, uh, government conspiracies, that sort of thing. It's been fun so far. I'm looking forward to issue two. George, uh, what's in the allowance this week uh, when you go to the comic shop? Well, as tradition dictates, I have to ask my wife every single week how much money I'm allowed to spend on comic books. And she bases the decision on what kind of chores I've done around the house, how well I've done at my job, what kind of money I've brought to the house. This week, apparently I did pretty good. I'm going to get a pick up one, two, three, four, five different books. So I must have done something good. So a little bit better than your three books. But I'm going to start off with John Wick issue number four. I love the John Wick movies. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they were doing comic books of them. And then I recently found out. So I went and picked up one, two, and three. And now I'm going to grab number four this week. Awesome. Uh, another book that we talked a lot about during our old Comic Sans Day, Gideon Falls. Issue number yes. nine is coming out this week. Going to grab that. Uh, a book that we just talked about on our last current events podcast, Pearl, issue number five is actually coming out awesome. this week. Can't wait to grab that. And then two stories that are near and dear to my heart have number two issues this week. The first one is a video game that I have absolutely fallen in love with the entire universe. Life is Strange. I don't know if either of you gentlemen have ever played or heard of Life is Strange. Yeah. If you haven't heard of it or haven't played it yet, once you get done listening to this podcast, Go online, go to Steam, wherever you need to download that game and play it immediately. You'll be blown away at the story and heart of Life is Strange. Really okay. great video game. Wow. Second one is Firefly, that old sci-fi hit, the one mm -hmm. season wonder that tops every one season wonder list in television folklore. Firefly actually has a comic book series. Firefly issue number two comes out this week. Oh, very so cool. I'm going to grab those books. It's going to be a good week for the pull list. Sounds like fun. Christmas Eve in Gotham City. Is it our imagination, or is the city more peaceful than usual? Has the magic of Christmas silenced the screaming sirens, the whine of bullets, the thousand frightening voices of terror in the city at night? This week on Laser Time, the Internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. As of 1984. Oh, yes. Um, what do you think... Uh, what do you think Phil Phillips, Prince Gary, not Prince Gary, Pastor Gary, <laughs> are going to have a problem with E.T.? Is there anything you can guess off the top of your head? Oh, man. Um, cross-dressing. It's against violence. There is totally cross-dressing. <laughs> <laughs> Adamantly against cross-dressing. He, he saved that scorn for uh, someone else. Okay. Uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. What, do you, what can we say about him? Well, E.T. smashed box office records in 1982 by doing $318 million. It was a camouflage occult movie, including uh, levitation, psychic healing, mind control, uh, mental telepathy. E.T. also included some inferences to homosexuality. What? No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. False. Let me see the part of your brain 
That's he, he doesn't go on to elaborate. Oh, I was gonna say, like, well, you just pause it, so go on. There are he doesn't. There is not a hint of any kind of sexuality in this entire film. Is it the mom's film. haircut? Uh, oh wait, no, he does kiss someone while drunk. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the eighties were weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mom's haircut is a little gay. <laughs> I say this as having her haircut right now. <laughs> That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LaserTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other past episodes to drawn at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Drawn and Paneled is more than a podcast. You can find our other content on the Gen X Grown Up YouTube channel or our website at genxgrownup.com. And that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled podcast. We will be back again in two weeks with our regular podcast, but next week we will be back with our back issue where we take a single story, book, or character and dig in deep. Jason, what are we going to talk about next week? We're going to go to the 12 issue limited series from Marvel from 1985, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars. This is Woo-hoo! a big one of my favorites. Book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe Jay will be with us also to discuss that. Yes, Jay, you are coming back. Yes, sir. Now, Jay, before we take off today, why don't you tell everybody out there in the Drawn and Paneled universe exactly where they can find Pet Piranha Entertainment, where they can find the book Astral Genesis. Tell us all about how to contact you. Well, thanks again for having me on the podcast today, guys. Uh, you can get Astral Genesis at Amazon.com, eBay. You can also go to AstralGenesis.com and read a free 30-page preview of Astral Genesis and buy it on our website, PetPiranaEntertainment.com. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Jay, again, thank you so much for joining us this week. You're quite welcome. It's been a pleasure being here with you folks today. Jason, always great to have you here. My pleasure, as always. And we will see you guys next time. See you guys later. Take it easy. This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.